Well, uh, it's really good to be back. The team's been back uh, two weeks as of tomorrow. Um, but a lot of us got really sick when we got back, which is pretty usual. Um, and so it's actually my first Sunday back. So it's good to be home. This is really home and, and to be with you all as Blaine was sharing. Um, and we've had Dustin got uh, viral meningitis a couple weeks ago and they may have, may have picked it up in Nepal. And, um, and so, man, that's, that's probably the, the peak of how sick we've got when we got back with the team was, uh, some of that stuff, but he's doing well. I talked to him during worship and he's like, I'm, I'm good. He can actually lift his hand during worship. So he's like, Oh yeah, man, the neck works. But, um, so some of you are newer to the church and some of you haven't heard, like, why do we go to Nepal? And so I just want to give a brief little recap of that before we get into, um, how this last trip went. But, um, I'm from Calvary Chapel Corvallis, uh, which is uh, just a very missional church. Um, as a high school pastor for eight years, um, I've, I've taken and been a part of uh, trips to Hungary a few times, to Brazil a few times, to Mexico, and um, and then you know other people from our church being sent out for, to other nations as well. And so coming to uh, Prineville since I'd been here. Um, we would have some folks, you know, just kind of come up on a Sunday morning and say, Hey, I just want you to know I'm going to Uganda tomorrow, you know, and I'm like, what, you know, and, um, or, Hey, I'm going over here tomorrow. I'm going next week. And so, and we would just try to kind of quickly rally the body to be some part of that. And just as we're reading the book of Acts, we see that, man, a local church is really just a launching pad for sending out um, disciples to go and proclaim and embody the gospel and make disciples in other nations. And I just really more just like a, just a, man, I want to be a part of that. I want our church to be a part of sending you out and partnering with you as you go. And so, uh, times of prayer and fasting here at the church, I have in my journal, just, uh, Lord, just do something in our body that is a work of your spirit uh, that just of missions in our church. And, you know, should I take a team to Brazil with the group I'd been a part of in the past from Corvallis? Or, and I just, I remember writing down just the Lord saying, I want to do a work just new out of your body. And I want you to just concentrate on making local disciples here. And I'll take care of the missional global stuff. And um, just as time went on, uh, one year during our week of prayer and fasting, uh, just the whole body gathered fasting and praying. And there was one night, one day that we just specifically concentrated as a church on praying for the missionary movement in our church. Some of you might remember that. It was in 2014. 14 during our uh, week of prayer and fasting. Uh, we, we then went to a Boise conference where the Lord really moved our church to begin positioning ourselves uh, for a wave of the Holy Spirit and for a work of the Holy Spirit. And so many of the people in our church began rising early in the morning and setting aside just a, just a good chunk of time to wait on the Lord and to position ourselves for him to move in our body. And it was kind of during that time that uh, the elders got a, a letter from, or a, just a message from Kevin 
uh, who said, hey, I heard of this conference that David Platt is put, putting on. He had written a book called Radical and Follow Me, and we'd been using those books in our discipleship groups and had really been shaping discipleship in our church. And, uh, and he said, yeah, David is putting on a conference in Birmingham called the Radical Intensive, and it's, it's a, it's a mission-minded conference to help raise the climate or the culture of um, missions in your in your church and so what do you guys think about sending a couple of us to that and we had to apply to it there were only a hundred pastors that were um, invited or allowed and so you know we're we're applying online and we get accepted to go and so Kevin and I take off and we end up going to Birmingham and uh, while we were in our hotel room the night before the conference started Kevin was telling me about a David Platt sermon that he'd recently taught um, called The Gospel and Nepal. His mom had actually forwarded it to him. And uh, in, in that, Platt talks about how Nepal, this trip that he'd recently taken to Nepal, just shook his world. And as you read his books, he makes disciples and send them out, and many of them will go on to be martyrs for Jesus in the, in the places that they go. It's dangerous to be a Christian and to be a missionary there, to be a, a native Christian missionary, especially. And uh, in this sermon, he talks about how he'd been flown in in helicopter about as high up into the Himalayas as the helicopter could get him. And then they trekked for two weeks, about 90 miles, and trekking through all of these unreached people groups and dangerous places where um, anyone that, that is converted from Tibetan Buddhism to Christianity is martyred. And, uh, and he just talks about the demonic activity up in the Himalayas and how just it's virtually untouched and unreached by the gospel and he says you know in the sermon just out of the places he'd been uh, he really taught this message just with trembling that it was just a dark untouched place and uh, so we're talking about that sermon and and uh, and I'm like I don't even know where Nepal is on a map like um, I, I needed this conference like I was like I don't know where that is um, and so uh, we ended up just hitting the deck and, and getting on our knees there in our hotel room and praying God Open up a door at this conference. Do something in our church. Raise the climate of missions in our body. Um, we give it over to you. <clears throat> Next day we show up at the conference. It's orientation. Uh, we all kind of sit at these tables. If you've ever been to a conference and in another state, it's kind of awkward. You're like, you know, you sit down and <laughs> you got a name tag on, you know. And they said, go around your table and say Hi and introduce yourselves and then we'll get started and so uh, we go around a couple neat guys from Georgia that um, we're Facebook buddies with and we've kind of been following what God's done those last couple years and as we go around next to Kevin at this table this guy goes my name's Jack and I'm from Nepal and we're like wait isn't Nepal that one country we were talking about last night I think so I think it was <laughs> and so uh, we're like oh um, Nepal um, like did you know David Platt just went to Nepal and um, like, do you have any connection there? You know, do you know who he went with? And he says, yeah, he went with my organization and um, that, you know, we were the ones that we helicoptered in. We did the tracking and all this and, and we're like, you do the math. Like, what are the odds of that? hundred <laughs> percent. If you believe in God. Um, and so um, I kind of tell the story, you know, in my mind as we were getting to know Jack, you know, he's, he's got this beard and he's, 
he's been trekking and he kind of looks like a navy seal or some kind of soldier that's seen stuff you know and been in stuff and uh and and was a little bit like a warrior who's been in battle and doesn't just tell you about every battle he's been in and you had to just over a couple days we ended up accidentally sitting by him like the next day you know and it was just like the lord placing us there and um and we were able to kind of pry out gently the stories of how he ended up in nepal and just very quickly he was an engineer he's from oklahoma was engineering in phoenix and he went on a set a 21 day bucket list trip into the himalayas just to trek around he wasn't even really like walking with the lord at that time and as he's trekking up into the himalayas um four days into their journey two men come down the mountain with about 20 little girls and as they're there getting water and filling up their bottles visiting with these people you know the men begin to brag to jack that they're on their way down to Kathmandu to sell these little girls into the sex trafficking um, trade and when jack heard that it opened up in his mind and in his memory um, major abuse that he went through when he was a, a kid that had been like sealed off he didn't hadn't remembered it until that moment and he collapses to the ground into like the fetal position and begins weeping and wailing and his friends aren't able to snap him out of it no you know he's just he's just inconsolable and the men with the little girls end up going down into the valley and then jack's buddies end up leaving him and he goes back down to Kathmandu, hits hits a ride home and ends up six months in his cubicle engineering weeping every day until finally he quits and uses his life savings to move to Kathmandu and do something about the trafficking industry and it's while he's there that he realizes this is much deeper than a humanitarian crisis this is this is a, a heart issue in people and it's only something that can be changed through the gospel of Jesus transforming the kingpins of these mafia run organizations and and through just incredible book of acts type experiences Jack ends up in Nepal and uh, and starts an organization that is mission focused and so um there at the conference he sh he shares this stuff with us and and you know we had to take like a little quiz as to like how does your church do with missions work and we take a little quiz and we got like a d on it you know it was like 60 percent all right you know uh, and he's just kind of chuckling and he just says you know what whatever i can do to just come alongside your body i want to be there with you guys and um we're like well can we come with you to nepal and that's kind of how god opened up the door jack's been to prineville he's shared in our church uh the vision um and it was there at the conference that that vision was shown to us that that god desires his name to be proclaimed in the message of the gospel among all the world and to every people group and even every family in the world and something we learned at this conference was that less than half the world has been reached with the gospel and less than a quarter of the world has even ever heard the gospel and anyone's even trying to get there to share the gospel and so god has just lit a fire in our furnace as a church to go to these places um, nepal being one of the worst especially up in the high tibetan buddhist himalayas as far as unreached untouched areas and uh and that was in 2014 
Since then, we've gone over uh, three times, and God's shaping and tuning our hearts to what he wants our body to do over there, um, but we've been going with the Footstool Project, uh, this organization uh, that is about reaching these unreached people groups, something like 329 people groups in the Tibetan Himalayas, all speaking different languages and are basically cut off, and only about nine of them are reached with the gospel. And so we're, right now, we're just about getting up in there, preaching the gospel, and just, Lord, how would you have us begin to make disciples in those areas? And so that's a little bit, that's nutshell stuff. And, um, and because that was the introduction, we're going to get rocking and rolling to share about this trip and, uh, and where we went. So um, we left in uh, January uh, 15th, I think was when we took off. And... Um, and we'll just go ahead and, and breeze through uh, some of these uh, photos. But, uh, man, if you look at a globe, you've got Oregon, and then, like, on the other side of the world is Nepal. Okay, so you're basically going, like, as far away as you can <laughs> on the planet. And then there's really the highest mountains are there, which is even farther away. So, um and so the you know the typically you are looking at um, 36 hours of traveling time, almost 24 hours on a plane or or in an airport. And so Kathmandu is the capital of Nepal, and uh, is where we land and where we basically take off from. And we will uh, head north west to a city called Badur. But let's just, let's visit about Kathmandu real quick. Uh, this is our third trip to Nepal. So for those of you that have been here for some of these recaps, you're familiar with Kathmandu. You're familiar that Pashpati is there, which is like the Hindu holy site. You know, we've got Jerusalem and the Jews have Jerusalem and the Hindus have Pashpati Kathmandu. Not only that, uh, Buddhism has the Bodha in Kathmandu. In fact, uh, Buddha is actually from Nepal. And so um, there's these two major religions that uh, come out of Nepal. And, uh, and so we, every year we go to Pashpati and we go to the Bodha as long as we're taking new people with us. Once we have a crew that's like, we've seen it, we've done it, let's get to the mountains, let's go preach the gospel. Um, but I just was going to have, I think it was Terry, maybe Dave, just share, share a little bit about Kathmandu. Terry, you've been to India. And so just compare that Hindu culture, Pashpati, maybe just share just the effect that um, the Bodha and Pashpati had. Uh, we flew through China this year, had one or two different crazy delays. We might share about one of them at the end, um, but uh, we'll just head on down and get to the Kathmandu pictures here soon. But Dave, start us off, just first trip out of the country besides vacation to Italy, and then um, the Boda, Pashpati, share a little bit, you guys. Sure. Okay, so um, yeah, first time being at least that far on that side of the world. Uh, when we get to Kathmandu, the, the the first, I mean, it's totally different culture for sure. Um, 
they drive on the wrong side of the road and traffic is terrible. Um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, this is the uh, place that we stayed. Uh, this is Mountain Child's uh, guest house, a uh, really nice house actually. And uh, we were, uh, they were gracious enough to let us stay there. We kind of based there for uh, a couple days as we went through Kathmandu, uh, did training and what have you. Um, learned a lot as we were uh, just starting out. Uh, Luke, who was our guide, he was uh, kind of went through a training session with us, uh, telling us, you know, what the statistics were for the reached people, uh, especially in northern Nepal, and just kind of that. I guess you would say like that Silk Road, right in like northern Northern Arabia, down through southern China, Nepal, like that's really being focused on right now because there's very very few reached people there, uh, and so it was a great learning experience on that end. Uh, we had Sujan, that was that last picture. He was uh, he was our translator, awesome guy that uh, we were working with, just a lot of fun. Uh, so. Kathmandu, uh, particularly, let's see, we went, I believe we went to Poshpati first. That was, uh, at least for me, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was good to experience it. I don't know if I would call it a great experience, but it was really good to experience it on an intellectual level, on a cultural level. Uh, they, uh, it is, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I would call it a temple, but it is a sacred place. Uh, basically, hospice if you will for the Hindus uh, in that uh, that is where they they go to die and they they burn uh, cremate uh, the bodies there and then sift the ashes into the river the river goes down to the Ganges which is the holy river and that is considered a sacred place to uh, to let your spirit go if you will and so uh, that was that was interesting that's Luke right there he's the one who uh, went through the, uh, I guess, the briefing on what we were going to be doing, and that's us entering Posh Potty right there. Uh, ends up being just a big marketplace. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of medieval in that uh, people go there and they just kind of watch people get burned, and it's uh, it's it, it was definitely a new experience for me. Not nothing that I've ever you know been around, at least not here for sure. Uh, and so it, that was that was new. It was for me. It was just uh, it was just a realization of how many people had been tricked into this false religion of uh, that. I don't know how to put it properly. It, it was it was it was sad to see uh, just the depravity and the, the the religion and trying to do all of these things in just the hopes that uh, they were doing it right and that they would come back as something better than what they were uh, when they when they left the world um, and that was and that was that was that was hard to see so on that end that was you know just in a nutshell it was it was an interesting experience it was good to see you know just uh, relate myself to what the what their process was, but it was uh, unfortunate. Now this right here, this is the Bodha. This is uh, the Buddhist temple. 
you can only walk around it clockwise. If you walk around it counterclockwise, you don't get good karma or something like that. I don't know what it is, but uh, um, but it is. You can only, you can only walk around it uh, clockwise, and that's with any uh, stupa or anything of that sort. I mean, they have little rock shrines and what have you, and the paths are actually set so that when you're going down the path, you go clockwise around it one way, and you come down the other path, you go clockwise the other way around it. It's uh, it it's yeah it's it's their religion. Um, so this is us going through that right uh, right about there where we are. That was at uh, one of the holy places that, uh, right next to the boat, a part of that marketplace, and that's where they have the horns uh, that they blow in a ritual, just really deep, uh, like resonating the floor horns that uh, they run through. I didn't personally go in there. Um, it was uh, it was a little creepy for me. It was a little too much, um, and that's just a really big prayer wheel. You spin that, and uh, it sends supposedly. You know, there are ideas that it sends prayers off to you know, the gods, and uh, the more you spin that, the better karma you get. So just a ton of rituals that they're just trapped in, and uh, that was uh, like I said, that was uh, um, uh, an educational process for me. So. Um, we spent a little bit of time there praying over the site, particularly in Posh Potty, um, and that's just something you guys can pray about, that the people there, that they would be reached and realize that they, they have hope outside of this just circulation of doing meaningless things and hope that they can, you know, live in paradise with the one, uh, the one true God, and it's just uh, something that they all need to know, so it's definitely something to continue to pray about, and we, we hope that they will be reached there. So that, 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 that was my end of it. Hi, everybody. I'm Terry. Um, David said most of it, as far as the, um, <laughs> the big horns that they had that they were blowing inside across from the Boda, they were like probably 20 feet long or so, really long. There was like three of them or so. And that was really interesting. The whole history of Kathmandu was was awesome. I was a little bit nervous because in, in India, I had gone to certain kind of temples like this, and my heart would just start beating a thousand miles an hour, and I'd have to run out. But this time, um, I didn't do that. I just really wanted to see um, how the people worshipped. It was very strange. Going back to Paspati. Um, um, when we say that they were burning the people, that, that was their type of cremation. And that was super dark place. Um, I had a hard time being in there. I don't see any pictures of There were some guys that were there, a guy that was made up almost like a clown-looking face. How would you guys explain that? Almost like monkey men, really. Yeah. Baboon. Very straight. Just all made up and evil-looking. Evil um, it was really hard in there. We did stop and pray, which that was cool because I was uh, pretty much ready to get the heck out of there. Um, uh, what else? I don't know. That's good, yeah. So um, in the Gospel in Nepal sermon that Kevin and I, what I was referencing earlier, um, when David was brought here and he saw, I mean, last year we actually saw him like uh, preparing a, an old woman, um, pouring this filthy sewage water in her dead mouth and getting her ready and then putting her on the pieces of wood and lighting her on fire. Uh, this year we saw the, the tail end of that and then they, when they determine that they're cremated, then they push, 
push the ashes and the rest of the firewood into the water here. Um, and then a lot of the poor little um, slum kids go down into the water and dig through it uh, looking for gold teeth or rings or anything of value that they can go and, and pawn off. And then, like last year, we saw they went and um, bought glue and began huffing it just off on the stairs over here. Uh, but David Platt was just referring to one thing that rocked his world about being here was that um, they must have had many bodies being burned on the different piers that day and just realizing that these are people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus and what's happening to their body right now is just a physical emblem of the spiritual reality of torment forever. And so when we speak of like darkness and dark and demonic, like we're not trying to be like bigots or anything like that, but as Christians, as trumpeters of the gospel of grace, we're going to these very dark, demonic, and it's no, it's no secret. Like they know there's demons. They're afraid of demons. They're trying to take demons onto themselves and into themselves to combat other demons. Um, that's one thing that's attractive about Jesus is that he has power over the demons. And so when you've got these, uh, these faiths of works-based karma that hopefully they'll be able to go to a better caste system in their next life or not go down into you know, uh, a pit of hell uh, where they'll be tormented before then they're brought back as something else or what. Um, it's very dark, very demonic, and um, lots of prayer is needed for breakthrough there. Uh, this little temple here was a place where there was human sacrifice uh, at one point. Um, but uh, we'll move right along. Uh, we, we went from Kathmandu uh, a couple days after kind of that tour and thing. Um, an orientation up to Bedour, which uh, we have a little bit of a neat history with there. Um, on our first trip, uh, it was the first time that the Footstool Project had ever taken a team up into Bedour, and they did that because uh, as a sex trafficking um, ministry against that, um, Bedour is within a district that is one of the highest trafficked in um, Nepal. And in fact, um, one of the villages nearby, there's almost no women left. They've all been trafficked. And so um, God has opened up some doors there with a pastor named Dill and uh, with a woman named Cynthia who works for an organization called Beauty for Ashes and really rescuing women from that and also preventing women from going into that by giving them jobs and employment and education. And so we have uh, some neat relationships with Cynthia, who's been to Prineville and has come and shared at our church, and then with Dill, a pastor there. And the uh, vision that we had for this trip was that we would go and have a uh, conference there in Badur and just do a little time of equipping. It was on a Friday, and so most of the men were out working. It was turned out to be mostly a women's conference, uh, a few guys there, but it was still great. And uh, Blaine and I were going to be sharing at it, and we were, you know, what are we going to share on? What, what should we share on? And just pray and pray. And, and uh, one night in Kathmandu, the dogs woke us up at, uh, barking in the neighborhood about like 1 p.m., uh, 1 a.m. it would have been. And uh, we weren't sleeping in the afternoon there. Um, and the Lord just, he used that, and he just said, I want you to teach Romans 12. I want you to break it up into three categories, upreach, inreach, and outreach. The heart that Paul had for us to be living sacrifices of worship to him, lives of worship, uh, parts of the church body uh, within inreach, 
in, in members of one another, and then outreach, getting the gospel out to the world. So I think, Blaine, you were just going to share maybe a little bit about your experience there in the conference a little bit. And okay. Oh, I guess there's a mic right there. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, we got there uh, at Badur after a long bus ride from Kathmandu, and as, as Rory was saying, we were preparing on that Thursday night when we got there to teach at this conference the next day at Pastor Dill's church, which is kind of the picture of the inside that you see there. Uh, the Lord was with us, um, guiding us and holding us, you guys, all the time. You know, um, 60 seconds of every minute, of every hour, of every day, um, throughout that whole trip. And the one thing that was really, really um, uh, real and powerful was that, as Roy was saying, we didn't have an idea of what to teach. Uh, as Roy was praying, and we had an opportunity to pray together as to what are we going to teach these people. Um, I'd never been to that church. I don't know if you had either at that time. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, and the Lord would instantly, without a doubt, um, give us the words to speak, give us the, the um, passages to teach. So we begin, as Rory was saying, in chapter 12 of Romans, on that Friday. Uh, we met there Friday morning. I don't know what time it was, but it was the first part of the day. Um, as you can see, their church there, which is probably one of the nicer ones that we were in uh, as we went through our, our trekking time. Uh, galvanized corrugated metal roofs and walls, um, dirt floor with uh, carpet kind of laid down on top. Everybody sat down um, in there. It was mainly women that particular day. But you could tell that they were absolutely 100% hungry for anything that they had to or anything that they could possibly learn as to what it means to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, these people were hungry for the gospel. They were hungry to know what it means to live out the gospel, to live in a, in a community, to know what it means to be the body of Christ. Um, so as Rory was beginning in the upreach, inreach, and outreach, even though it had to be done through translators, um, the arm motions that Rory was teaching them um, of that was, it caught on like wildfire. These people understood what it meant for upreach and inreach and outreach. Um, as Rory and I studied that night before, you know, like we would here, and going into that Friday, teaching through a translator is a whole lot different than teaching here where people can understand our language. You can only go about six or seven words at a time. Um, then the translator goes, so it really breaks up at least for me, it breaks up the, the um, uh, I don't know, the, the unity of what you're trying to speak. So the notes that we had all kind of put together, for the most part, kind of got set way aside, and we just began to teach. Um, and the Lord was faithful through that. Uh, Rory taught the first section um, in upreach, uh, had an opportunity to teach the second section in inreach, and then Rory concluded with the outreach portion of it and what it meant to be saved by the blood of the cross and, and what our responsibilities are at that point in time. During the middle part of that teaching, 
uh, I, was, I was up front and I'm teaching um, the in-reach portion of that. And we start hearing screaming outside of the church and um, gunshots and some of the women that were in there, the mothers, getting up and running out through the back door. Pastor Dill goes up for the back door and I'm going, what the heck is going on? And I didn't know whether I was to continue to teach you guys or stop and maybe everybody was supposed to flee. And uh, you guys, I mean, one thing, just, just sharing um, my own human feelings at this point, right, is it is illegal to prophesize in Nepal. We have a big monstrous strike going outside out there of which the police had to get in there and I'm thinking okay I'm the one with the mic in my hand <laughs> in a foreign country halfway around the world you know and I'm thinking okay Lord if this is what you've got I guess we're ready <laughs> it ended up being a strike in the street that was near us um, it it was uh, a little bit scary as one of those things that Luke our guide um, had left and went through a place that was just tear gassed so I guess we could say our, our guide got tear gassed in the thing. Um, it's just a different, different world. Um, in, incredibly rich and fulfilling to teach through that conference. And after the conference was done, and um, we're together kind of talking, you know, and, and I feel somebody tugging at the, at the back of my shirt, you know, and I turned around and there's a, a group of women, I don't know, 10 or 12 women, you know, and one of them's tugging at my shirt and Pastor Dill's translating saying, they want prayer. You guys, what a privilege to be able to intercede to the throne of God in Jesus' name, praying over these women that have no other medicinal way to get out of the infirmities that either they're going through or their babies are going through. All they have is the power of the risen Savior touching their hearts and lives. And you guys, we each had an opportunity to lay hands on these women and to pray for those women. And I don't know, it was 15 or 20 minutes worth of praying individually for these people. Um, that, was, that was incredible. It was uh, funny because then Saturday is the day they worship. It's like their Sunday. Um, and Blaine was teaching that day, but as the, the Nepali men were leading worship, strumming on their guitars and stuff, uh, they stopped and they're praying. And most of the time you don't know what's going on. You're like, I don't know what you're saying, but <laughs> might get a Yesu in there, a Jamesy, and okay. And then uh, all of a sudden the guy goes, Upreach, inreach, and outreach. And like the whole church is like, Upreach, inreach, outreach. It's like, is there a translation in your language for that, or is it just upreach, inreach, outreach? So that was really neat. But talking about the power of prayer. Pam, there's a picture there. Maybe you can go back to it with um, Terry and Pam and a woman. Just quickly share about who that gal was. And there's also a picture of her standing up, sharing a, a tear-filled testimony uh, in there. But um, share who that gal was real quick in the power of prayer. So that woman was the one, the first year we were there, um, they divided us up in Pastor Dale's church, and um, we went to two different directions, and the different people in the church wanted prayer over whatever it was and so she was the last stop in the group that we were with um and asked for prayer and she wasn't a believer she had just heard that we were there and people had said that the christian people were there um, praying and she um, was blind <clears throat> she, she wanted prayer for um her sight 
and we went into her little house and that was the house that was kind of weird because it was all these like teenage boys were like all standing like looking around and they had motorcycles around they were like really wanting to know what what we were doing in there and um kind of stood right in the in the door the whole time and i think um we so we prayed over her and i remember john goes looked at one of the guys he goes you want prayer and they're like oh and then they left and but um <clears throat> but like she was blind and her eyes they almost looked like cataract either like um, glazed over you, I mean and you could tell just the way she was that she wasn't looking at you I mean she was definitely blind well last year when Aaron and Stephanie and those guys went back um, I guess she had recognized Cynthia somehow and um, she was healed she wasn't blind anymore so I mean she wasn't healed at the moment that we prayed for her but the next yeah because it was after the earthquake and everything and Cynthia had told them that yeah this is the woman that we prayed over um, and so, yeah, but so now she's actually going to the church, and um, I, she's kind of a little kindred spirit to me because she's a, a woman of many words, didn't understand anything she was saying, but she talked and talked and talked and talked like I did know. And so I just sat there, and Shannon and I were just like, cool. <laughs> but she had a lot to say, and even there, she stood up there for about 10 minutes. I think they almost like had to tell her to sit down, but. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. So I'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here, here are a couple videos. Um, one thing you're going to see, we have a few videos of just worshiping with the Nepali people. So again, Blaine said this was like kind of the nicest, biggest church we went to. You're going to see big differences in the villages in the future vi uh, videos. But um, just here's some worship with uh, in Badur. So sometimes all we could do is clap with them. And then you'd get a hallelujah part. Hallelujah, you know. And then it's quiet again. We're just clapping. But it's um, all we could do. Um, and then just a couple more videos. We'll just go through Just really quick. Um, I was, I mentioned to Cynthia. I was like, like Blaine would say like five words. And then Su Sujan would like translate for like 20 paragraphs. And I was like, does it take that long to say what they were trying to say? But, but what Cynthia was saying was because of the way their wording is, it's not the same as ours. They so he, he almost would have to go backwards and and do the whole thought. Oh, like he'd have to retranslate the whole thought. So he'd say a little bit at a time, and then he'd have to go back and like re-explain what it all meant together. So that's why, because I was just like, why is it taking so long to translate? <laughs> so uh, I had Dustin stand up. Like I'm like, hey, in, in 30 seconds, you're going to stand up and talk about... Um, in reach in your life and your family's involvement in the local church. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm like, you're on, brother. <laughs> so then we would we would leave and um, Pam, Terry, and Shannon would stay for the rest of the time in Bedour. And if you gals could just give a brief recap of your time there. Yeah, that's um, at Pastor Jill's house. They invited us over for dinner the last night we were in Bedour, and that's that's their house. That's they all they live in that room. There's a bed. Um, yeah, so that's the bed, and behind, like, is that the couch? I can't yeah, even tell. Yeah, I mean, it's basically they live in a bedroom, mm -hmm. and so the them and their two kids sleep in the bed with them. They've got like a little dresser there, a little armoire. The couch is kind of like shoved behind the bed there, and we're just all sitting there eating. She brings in, serves us dinner, and um, and they're just, I mean, very simple, happy, and they, I mean, they just aren't distracted by. All the stuff that we get distracted by. Um, it was kind of, it's just very humbling um, to see that. They're just so happy to see us. They're so happy to um, ask for prayer. Um, a couple of them, it was funny because they rec they recognized me and Shannon from the time before. 
um, a couple of the ladies from the church, you, you look exactly the same. I remember her saying that. But, um, that's Stephanie. She's actually on a uh, short term uh, with um, Cynthia trying to decide whether she's going to stay in Nepal or not. She's like a six months. Yeah, that was the dinner that um, Bill's wife made for us. But anyways, I was just going to say that one of the things that I noticed the most about going back this time was um, it was just so encouraging to see the church growing and the people not being afraid to talk and and just this time like I said we thought we were going to get to work with the girls at the um, BFA um, and we didn't but we did get to do a lot of encouraging to the people in the church and even build relationships with the people that Cynthia has built relationships with in town like business owners and things like that and then then to see you know there's more you know Christians come in and um, bless them with buying stuff from them um, and going and doing all that so that was um, it was really encouraging to see awesome so uh, we're going to have Shannon share just a little bit next Sunday as well of, of the remainder of her time there in Badur but we go up north to um, Siafru Vesi and um, take off on our trek from there. It's the second year in a row we've taken off from there. Uh, speaking of the power of prayer, we talked about the blind lady. Nate was just showing me a picture of her but when she was blind. And I mean, she's like, you know, uh, the same, well, last year at the guest house we stayed at in Cypravesi, uh, the, the boy, um, I thought he was like 12, but turns out he was 18, um, who was serving us, uh, was walking with a major limp and I mean like palsy or something like like that you know and the Lord was just like I want you to pray for him and he like woke me up at night he's like I want you to pray for him tomorrow and then uh, so that morning I I assumed his parents were the ones in the kitchen with him and I'm like hey you know how did you get this limp and you know um, my God is Jesus and he can heal people and I've seen him heal can I pray for your son and they're like ah. it turns out there's bosses and not his son <laughs> and uh I go out there and sit him down in a chair and I grab his his legs and I just get down and I pray and um and I say hey if you if you're healed today you need to know that it was Jesus that healed you and he wants you to follow him with all your heart and like stand up and I'm like so does it feel any different and he's like eh, you know and I'm like well why don't you walk on it you know and he's like oh I'm like jump on it he's like uh. he's like okay well see you later you know and he goes back to serving and then like we we stayed back there on our way through and i'm like does it look like he's limping to you guys like, doesn't look like him. this year no limp tons of joy uh and i yeah and i'm like and they're just like you just gotta be really careful because like his bosses and stuff like that might might get him in trouble and stuff about converting and stuff and um sujan was saying that he's got a neat relationship with this kid and that the owner of the restaurant's actually like this close to becoming a Christian. So be praying for that. But this is where we took off on the trek. And uh, maybe Nate and Blaine, or Dustin, even if you want to chime in, some of your first trekkers just taken off from there. One of these pictures basically is from, that's the guest house. And then you look out across the street, straight up a mountain. And that's where we just walked across the street. And no warm up for us. And we just started going up that thing. So share a little bit, guys. Um, it was uh, it was pretty intimidating. Well, at least for me, um, I was like the one of the biggest guys. <laughs> um, but uh, it was very, very uplifting once 
we got up to the top and got got out there. I mean, a lot of the stops that we uh, we stopped at the rest areas on the way up um, uh, were kind of worship centers. Um, and actually, uh, one of the people that were that was from Mountain Child was actually doing. Her name was Hannah, and she was going to be doing uh, like pictures and stuff, and she was going to be doing a story for Jack. And uh, one, uh, at our first rest area, she ends up uh, um, just passing out, and you know it was it was it was pretty eye opening um, when that happened, um, especially for me because you know here I'm like she was keeping up with everybody, and here I'm way behind everybody, <laughs> and I'm like, man, you know, like. Uh, she's not making it, you know, what's it going to be like? And that was our first stop, you know, a rest stop. And, but then uh, we ended up, she ended up passing out again. And so made the, made the uh, decision Luke did, which was very hard. Um, uh, he said out of all of his treks, that was the first time he's ever sent anybody back just because of safety reasons because uh, she wasn't doing too good. But she ended up being okay and everything like that. But... But you know, I was just noticing that on all of our stops on the way up was it was all those they're just they're kind of like a rest area on a highway, you know, and and most every one of them are worship centers. And when she was passing out and like where you sit down on these and you look up, I mean, it was like a it's like a worship thing, you know, a stupa, yeah. And it was just like, you know, and almost like I didn't want to sit there <laughs> you know it was just like you know I don't like this but um it was it was it was very eye-opening and very uplifting knowing that these these people they they trek this all the time um and they go through this and um it for me personally I mean it was it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and pretty much the the first when we went up there, it was like every step that I took, it was just, it was, it was Jesus. Uh, I, I wanted to turn back and I wanted, you know, I didn't want to go any further. And the team was just awesome, you know, just because they, they, you know, kept encouraging and stuff like that. But it was just like, just showing of Jesus was just straight. I mean, every step I was just, um, they were trying to talk to me, Sujan and Tim, and, and I, I just was blocking everything out. But, you know, once we got up there and to see the people and stuff, um, it, it was all revealed, you know, in that uh, um, why he had us there. You know, it was way different than we can go into that where you can go into that differently but it was way different than what we we kind of had expectations for um but it was great so so um just for the sake of time the trek was really brutal most of us had two heavy packs um taking notes for next time but once we got into gatlang um farther up than we went last year um uh we got uh past Goljung. So this blue line is just a, as the crow might fly. Um, tells you to the left, getting into Gatling there, about a day's hike or so. And uh, Dustin, why don't you just share real quick about helping out with the church um, building project, and then Blaine maybe share um, just anything else about uh, 
just kind of that first time in Gatling before we went to Nessing. Um, well, we uh, <clears throat> we all got had breakfast that morning, and then we hiked up. Uh, it wasn't too bad of a hike. You kind of walk through people's backyards and and look through their front door and see what they're doing in the morning. And we hiked up to uh, this uh, really beautiful view view of the whole valley. And there's just this concrete foundation with these uprights, and and uh, there's no backhoes or skid steers or anything like that and it was pretty much just um, get together and and uh, pick up these giant boulders and move them from here to like over there and and uh, we all got together and of course there's some screwing off uh, during that time but um, Right. <laughs> so, you know, we all took turns depending on how each other's back felt and literally just took pickaxes and, and, and went about, I don't know, probably four feet or so into this bank and packed up boulders and moved them and stacked them in certain areas. And, uh, um, dude, there was a, how old was King? He looked like he was a hundred and something. You could be 40 and look like you're 90. Oh, my gosh. But he was this old man with a biggest beautiful smile see all those boulders right here we had to take all those boulders from there and move them over there <laughs> and I don't know why they're there to begin with but but anyway there was this 60 year old man just working you know just as hard as we were packing these boulders and there is King yeah but no it was great it was a good time to get together and uh, see what those guys had to do to have a church and what they're willing to do and um, yeah, there's the there's the kind of the bank. It's kind of really hard to see how big and much we moved, but I don't know if they're standing there going, are these white people going to be able to do this? <laughs> but, yeah, there's Rory with the wheelbarrow, and uh, we just kind of got a little system of digging and packing boulders, and Nate's packing wood. And I don't know. I guess the pictures will probably tell you. Yeah, I'm leaning on the shovel, <laughs> supervising. But anyway. So, uh, you want to share about King? Just do you know his testimony? Go ahead. No, I don't know. So King, um, his uh, dad was the first believer in Gatling, and when he converted into Christianity, um, basically the the Buddhist. Um, monks came down and lined up him and his brothers and sisters who were also new believers and um, said convert uh, you know back to Buddhism or we're going to kill you and they said we found life in Jesus we're not converting back and so his parents not only were the first believers in Gatling but the first martyrs for Jesus there and then uh, you'll see like a yellow vest there and uh, it's Pastor Prim. Pastor Prim was being raised up to be the next witch doctor in the village and uh, he's 33 right now and his, uh, he ends up becoming a Christian through like King's testimony and, um, and uh, becomes a Christian and didn't know how to read and oftentimes when you're the first Christian or one of the first Christians you're also the first pastor. So there you go. It's your new calling in life. Um, he didn't know how to read and he didn't know how to uh, write and so they prayed and God gave him the ability to read and write um, the scriptures. And so, um, you know, we're there 
digging right alongside with people that are like, your parents were martyrs and first Christians in this area, and, and you like miraculously know how to read. Now, I tried doing that in high school, and that didn't work for me. But um, so then we went you know, a little nesting here, Blaine. Uh, we went the next day uh, and, and traveled up to nesting. So okay, so that Sunday, like we told you guys, we left Cyphrobesi and went up the toughest hike that we were going to be experiencing, at least we were told that, uh, to get into um, Gatlang. Uh, the next day, as Dustin was talking about, you know, we worked with picks and shovels and wheelbarrows all day. So the third day, um, we had the opportunity to go to a little town called Nessing that was one of the places that Luke had desired to go to, to visit, to share the gospel to, to take a group of men over to um, for five years and never had the opportunity to go. Uh, number one, it's a very, very difficult place to reach. Um, really difficult if you're going to stay there because you've got to pack full packs to get over there. Uh, so our goal was to get up early in the morning. This would have been Tuesday to get up early in the morning, strip our packs to just bare necessities, go up to the very top of the hill at the top of Gatlang, which was probably not quite as hard as the very first one out of Saifubesi, but extremely difficult. Go across the flats a little bit through the jungle area, down a ravine and into Nessing. We started off early in the morning and got to the top fairly well our legs were fresh some of that kind of thing and and worked our way across as we went through the jungle area where we could see nesting this little hill uh yeah across that that uh suspension bridge you can see it the the town clear in the back upper left hand corner against that hill um we started descending down to where that cable bridge was and it is steep and it's a long ways down there so, of course, it's still in the morning. We're excited to get over there. We're excited to get to a place that, that not very many uh, visitors or white people especially ever get a chance to get there because it's very, very difficult. We're still fairly elated about getting there. We're going down this hill, and we get about halfway down going, you know what, guys, we've got to go back up this thing. And we're looking towards the cable bridge, and that's kind of cool. You know, we've got a chance to walk across that, and... As we entered into Nessing, and it was probably late morning, maybe 11 noonish, we were greeted by an older man. Um, and remember, a town that very, very few outsiders ever get a chance to get to. And the very first man we found as we hiked, uh, as we were trekking as a group into that town, you know, puts his hands together and says, Jamesee, which means hail the Messiah. This man was a Christian. We were greeted by a Christian in a town that very few outsiders ever get a chance to get to. How encouraging is that? Uh, we spent some time, you see the inside of the church there, spent some time gathered with some of the church people. And remember, it's during the week, it's during the day, people are out in the fields, they're working. But as many from the community as could be there gathered, gathered in there, we probably had 50 people, something like that, in that church just gathered on an, on an afternoon just to worship together. Uh, 
had a time of worship, had a time of, um, uh, of prayer. Again, prayer is a really, really needed and desired thing from Christians over these people. That's all they've got is Christ and his work. Um, you see a picture of, of us afterwards with a lot of them. And, you know, some of the toys we had, you guys, like plastic little rings and plastic little necklaces, um, costume jewelry stuff, balloons, like you see in the hands of some of the little ones. Uh, beach ball, you know, like you see on the right-hand side of that picture. Um, the young mothers, not just the little kids, the young mothers that were there had never seen jewelry like this before. You know, they wanted some of the little plastic necklaces. They wanted some of the little plastic rings. And we had an amazing um, uh, crowd that was gathered around. David and Tim and Dustin and Nate, you know, just giving out some of these kind of things. And it, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll tell you guys that story later. Um, so as we got fed, they fed us and that kind of stuff there, had an opportunity to, to give them a little gift uh, to maybe help carpet the inside of that, of that church. Um, it's time for us to head back now. And, and the one thing Luke was saying was that, you know, we have got to get back before sunset. Um, there's no way we can handle that terrain in the dark. So we're kind of on a mission. Um, we have to get back before the sun goes down. And so we cross back across that cable bridge. And we get to the other side, you guys. And we're looking straight up like that. And you cannot see the top. And it's just like this. And we've got to go. We've got to get up there. We have no choice. Um, even though we're resting probably every 15 minutes for a minute or two, just to make sure the group is all caught up. Um, just as Nate was saying, as far as the first climb out of Cyphrobesi, this one was absolutely the carrying hand of Jesus Christ, taking us step by step by step by step. Um, by far the hardest, most physically demanding, um, and maybe the most spiritually powerful time that I have ever had. Because we got to the top of that thing a couple hours later, okay? Um, long, long, you know, uh, pacing trek. And we get to the top and we get to a flat area and I am gassed. I have got nothing left and I'm just bending over, you know, and, and to be encouraged by Nate and by Dustin at that time saying, you know, Blaine, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And, and to, you know, just to be lifted up and encouraged by a brother, um, the Lord carried us through that. <laughs> the new mountain goat right there. If Ken, if Ken can't go with us, we got Blaine. just pushing through he just uh you know i was following him and i was like oh man is he ever gonna slow down because you know you know sometimes your pride when you're up there is like man i'm gonna be the first one or whatever but man and he and he probably didn't let it our faces show it so much but there was probably several times through the trip where we all were happy <laughs> we're happy to stop you know and and uh, get a breather and like say just encourage each other and and uh you know there's times where i felt like i was gonna puke and and i felt like i'm like 
my legs were shaky. I'm like, all right, come on, you know. And then we all kind of prayed for each other, silently. At least I was, you know. And yeah. and it it was it was awesome. Just like felt like you're in battle together, you know. Like yeah. you're building friendships, and it's just it's really cool. You guys, when you're taken way way past your own physical abilities, your own self sufficiency, and all you've got is Jesus. That's all you've got. You don't have anything left. You don't have any power left. You have no energy left. You know you're emotionally broken. You know you, can, you can't get there from here. And to just feel the righteous right hand of the Lord carry you in a way that is real. Up that hill and carried us back over the hill and back down to our guest house. And I think we had an opportunity to worship that night to go back up the hill. <laughs> worship again but you want to talk about that right um yeah so by the way guys i'm mindful of the clock and uh we're gonna try to buzz through the rest here i know we got some parents holding babies and stuff so we're just not like in la la land not caring about your guys's time but um so here's a video of the church in nesting real quick just worshiping with them this is where we uh, left a gift to carpet the floor you know they take their shoes off and go on in all year long so nice a little bit of comfort for them to be able to worship in that was Nate humming, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and then here's handing out the, ju the jewelry and the toys. You know, we got a lot of these things from the dollar store. And, you know, Nepal's average is $2 a day that they, they make. So if you think about it, you know, you're giving them a little, I mean, and, and the moms, which, you know, four days later, they still got these plastic beaded necklaces on and they're just like, you know, <laughs> you're like, that's nice. So uh, then back to Gatling, and uh, um, just real quick, uh, the next day um, we were wore out from a couple days of hiking, shoveling, all that stuff, and um, we were going to be going up to what's called Demon Lake, and David, I'll let you share just a little bit about our time there in just a sec, but you know, a couple years ago, uh, we were up riding in a Jeep up through the, like the Everest type area. And we saw some high places where these ponds were there with these Tibetan prayer flags all around them. And they seemed like really nice little, like, go take a picnic out there and eat, you know, and something like that. And, and Luke goes, those are like centers of demon worship up in the high places. And he says, there's this one place that um, every, you know, so often during the year, this demon will manifest up out of a pond. And he, he has like this appearance of like a duck they call him like, like the duck demon. And uh, in this one church, like the pastor got saved in the area and he brought some of the new converts up to this, this demon lake. And they were like, this is not happening around here. You have no place here. And they rebuked the duck demon. And it was known by the village that once that Christian church came in there and rebuked it, he's gone. Like there's been, uh, there's been no more activity. I didn't realize that we were going to where that happened while we were there. And so this day uh, was where we went up to what's called Demon Lake. Maybe, David, you can share a little bit about the lake and how our bodies were that day getting there. And then I've got a little video to show about that. Yeah, so um, um, when, when we first started off that day, uh, we, Rory was sick, and uh, we, were all, we were all definitely starting to feel the wear. And uh, just before we took off, Luke, our guide, who, I mean, he's, he's the master as far as we're concerned. He does his all the time. It's his job. And uh, we're sitting there at breakfast, and, you know, he's not feeling great, but all of a sudden we hear him groan, and he just passes out. And, 
and and is gone. Yeah, just and so it it kind of startled us uh, realistically. And you know, I won't go into a lot of detail of that, but um, you know, he we we all were feeling that this was this was going to be a little bit of a task. And and frankly, it it terrified me because I mean, if Luke went out, what's going to happen to us? You know. Uh, Going up there, we, you know, just as a little bit of perspective, the first day we went up was about 3,000 feet. Um, the second day, or third day, going to Nessing, it's about 1,100 feet up, 1,100 feet down, back up, and back down again. This was not that much, and we don't have packs, and so in our heads we're thinking this is going to be great, um, just an easy uh, trip up to the lake. And it wasn't uh, by any means. There was uh, definitely some... Uh, I'm just going to say spiritual battling going on with us that I've never experienced before. Uh, all of us at some point during this trip got to a point where, you know, we were broken and the only thing that we had was just a reliance on Jesus to say, you need to get me up to this, the, up to the top of this. And that was my point. That was, that's where, uh, my I was feeling a little bit short of breath. Uh, we were getting ready to go. Luke was not feeling good, and, uh, and and the devil was just playing with me. He was really not wanting us to get up to the top of that. And as we were going up, it you know we didn't have packs. We had a water bottle. That was about it. And all of us were just clammy and sweaty and just not uh, not nearly to our full potential. It felt like we had you know 20 pounds on each leg as we we're trying to just go up each step. And it was just, on one end, you know, I kind of think about Job and how, you know, the, you know, the Lord let uh, the devil mess with Job, um, knowing that Job was still going to glorify God and all of it. And I kind of, I feel like that's how, uh, how this just short jaunt up to the lake was, you know, the, you know, the Lord had us for sure, but there was definitely a battle going on uh, that the devil was trying to win that, you know, praise God, he didn't. We made it to the top. Uh, but there was a lot of just uh, prayer and worship and and just as just complete reliance on, on Jesus to, to get us there. But once we got there, we, we go into this lake, and, and I'll try to make this quick, but we go into this lake you saw, which was more of a marsh, really, but we, we sit there in the amphitheater, and what was just an absolute battle getting up turned into just a powerful time of prayer and worship, and, uh, and, and Lord, you know, take this land back uh, to make this a spot where, we, where people can worship you and not a, a, place, uh, not a place of evil. And... Uh, and it, it just uh, it it turned into uh, from what was just a, uh, a moment of fear to a moment of rejoicing and praising God. So that's so we can show that video, Jeremy. Thank you, thank you, Rory. You can't even upload a video, right? Okay, so um, <clears throat> we'll talk about that some other time. Hey, can you just share as we're closing out, um, go back, Jeremy, to the first Gatling section and just, Dustin, share about the little home fellowships that we had there, the size of those little homes that we'd meet in, and just the, the worship times with them. Um, I tell you what, that's uh, probably one of the highlights of my trip, uh, being able to be welcomed into these people's 
home um, and they like to say they're just these little tiny rooms and we actually they welcomed us into their homes and we sat on their beds where they slept you know and and they uh, they treated us like kings man they cooked food for us but these people would travel for um, I don't know several hours just to come up there and sit in this little tiny room and uh, all the kids would gather around. Everybody just laid on top of each other wherever they had room. And, and uh, like Blaine was saying this morning, we didn't know what they were saying, but we could see it in their body language. We could see it in their, their, their worship. They'd hold their hands out and shut their eyes and just and worship God, you know. And nobody's really showed that to them before. Um, you know, we go to church and we get to see what, you know, it looks like to worship Jesus, but they are doing it, you know, how they're felt and led and, and, and what they read about. And it was just a a very, it, it was pretty emotional for me. I was having a hard time at that point anyway. But seeing these children, I mean, these people don't take it for granted at all. You know, it made me kind of look back at my life and go, eh. but I don't, I don't know how else to say it unless you guys get to experience it because it was truly amazing watching these people worship God. So, uh, Jeremy, see if those couple just videos of uh, worshiping in that little hut come through. If it's upside down, we'll skip it. So that's their 242 group right there. Um, <laughs> so don't complain about the size that you're meeting in tonight because it's 30 times bigger, I guarantee it. I, say, I don't think it was any, I think it was smaller than this stage that we're on right now. We had like 30 people stuffed in there. So Yeah. So just closing, guys, uh, went down to Goljun where we visited last year with the team. And uh, purple line kind of shows where that is. Same same little home that they're fellowshipping in right now, and uh, was able to share with them a letter that I'd written in July and sent over to have to them. And it never made it there, and so uh, I just um, read it to them, and it was just talking about how we were praying for them, we're mindful of them, and then shared a little of what our church is going through, and um, and showing pictures to them of our body, and uh, telling about summer in the park and. Uh, you know, we're baptizing people publicly and that's like pretty much if you get baptized in Nepal, you've got a two week life expectancy. And so, you know, there's a picture of Courtney actually that I shared of you getting baptized and you're coming up just like, Woo! and they're like, this is like, what is this? You know, and uh, but just a neat time of fellowship uh, with them in Goljun. And so just quick 10 second video of um, our time in Goljun. There's the letter. So the theme of this year's trip Last year was hardcore evangelism. I mean, you guys that went last year, I mean, we were just like, we had like a stack of tracks and we were like, we will distribute these by the time we're done. And we're just like, boom, boom, boom. And like, Jesus loves you and here's a ring. And like, you know, and just like, just getting the gospel out there. Uh, and this year, the theme was um, strengthening the churches and just really deep, rich, special times in these little cramped and just like talking to them about like, you guys are not forgotten and we know that you're persecuted and we know that it's hard, but like over in Prineville and here's a map where we're at, like we remember you, we're praying for you. And, um, and then speaking scripture over them, little teachings, it was so encouraging, we know it. And, and uh, one of the final things is just um, you guys were just as much a part of that trip as the boots on the ground over there. Um, Knowing that you guys were praying for us and mindful of us and that many of you were meeting down here, you know, every couple times a day, um, we would know, you know, oh, they're, they're praying right now for us. And 
Yeah, so the um, bus ride, I know Dustin, that was something, just leaving Cypher Vesey, trying to get on a bus back home. Just share what happened there, Dustin. Well, you know, we get back to this place right here and we're all excited uh, to be back and I don't know why we're <laughs> extremely excited because we're still over there. I mean, <laughs> but it's not like we were going to be home in the next day or so. So that's what I mean. So we're still five or six days away, but it was just the, the forward progress of getting back to our families and stuff. And then we're sitting over there and kind of getting a little bit of a, a rumor that we may be walking to Badur, which was two days, and uh, or we may not, you know, we may be able to go halfway and then walk, you know, and so I guess just sitting over there going, all right, God, what what do you have for us now? What what what, what are we going to be doing now? And, and just being content. We were just, it was amazing. We were just content with whatever was happening, and, and so we decided uh, when we couldn't leave that morning, we all went up uh, to somebody's room, I don't know whose room it was, and uh, uh, we all gathered around and, and Blaine actually prayed, but he didn't actually pray for a bus ride home now. We just we just worshiped and we just uh, let God know, you know, hey, we love you and, and whatever you have for us, and then we started singing. And within 10 minutes, all of a sudden a bus driver pulls up, starts honking his horn, and next thing you know, we're loading on a bus to leave. So that was pretty crazy up and we could head home so let's all stand together a um, couple of just pictures are going to be going through we got a nice refreshing chance to go on a flight around the mountains and see that's Everest right there and uh, take some pictures and stuff and that was just uh, something we're going to be doing on future trips just a refreshing thing to do as a team wrapping up but um, we just want to give God glory for what he's done and uh, Lord just all these pictures and all these testimonies and just the fire that's in our heart, we just want to be able to heap upon the family here at home, some who've labored so hard to send gifts and packages and finances to, to even send some of us over there who couldn't afford it ourselves and, and then to, who prayed while we were gone and who continue to pray for the work in Nepal. Um, Lord, just we pray that you would be glorified. We want you to be praised in everything that has happened. In the Rasua district that is, it's, it's teetering onto that reached side. Churches that understand the Great Commission, that, that are going out now and doing outreach in those other villages. Uh, we give you glory and praise for that, God. Um, we're just thankful that we get to be any part of it and we look forward to the future of what you have for us, Lord. Whether it's short-term, quick trips, mid-term or long-term trips, Lord, that you'd send people from our body over there. We just give you praise for all that you've done. And for this church, as Luke said, uh, we have no other church that comes over here that, it is, that is as backed by their congregation as you guys are. And we just give you glory for that, God, that you have taken the thermostat in the climate of our missions culture and cranked it up on high here. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for the extra time that you spent here with us today. Make sure to give the children's ministry workers a big hug for watching the Bambinos for you. And uh, thanks for sticking around and listening today.